Somebody give him praise, give him glory that you won against every advancement of the alien armies of the Antichrist that kept you from, desired to keep you from being right here, right now, in the center of the circumference of the perfect will of God. Now throw some lint off your shoulder and shout, devil you can't touch that. Tell him, just stay outside. I'll catch you outside. How about that? Slap somebody a high five and tell them it's going to get noisy. It's going to be loud. Loosen your tie. You should have worn a legacy t-shirt. Yeah, you should have worn your short pants and your track shoes. Because we didn't come to play Mother May I with the forces of darkness. We are remnant. We are revolution. We are resurrection. We are revenant. Shout, we are revenant. Slap somebody a high five one more time and tell them, come on, you're coming up out of here. I feel my help coming and I just got up here. How about William McDowell? How about Pastor Samuel Rodriguez? How about Mother Parsley? How about my daughter, Miss, De- Miss Medina Pullins? How about my lady? Woo. She wants twice, three times. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Faith, hope, and love. <laughs> See my baby, tell my lovely wife Joni you're glad to see her at Dominion 17. I got a firstborn daughter, her name is Ashton Blair, you've already met her. Last month, my television program has been on the air 35 years. Last month, my daughter's television program that's been on a year and a half pulled more households than an old man's. Yeah, she's getting it done in a millennial generation. We are so proud of her. And then and nobody knows miracles like my main man, AC. Austin Chandler, everybody give it up. <laughs> Woo! I'm not gonna start naming names because I don't, I don't know if there's anybody in here I don't know. Now that's saying something. Right over there, I see a four-time state championship Harvest Preparatory School coach. I see everybody. I just, I just, man, I feel at home tonight. 
And that's dangerous for two people, the devil and you. <laughs> I'm so honored to be here. I mean, I'm like really thankful to be here with a microphone and a Bible. Hey, God. And I'm not going to play with it tonight. Father, go ahead now. Lord Jesus, your word, Holy Spirit, where in so many places you have become unnecessary. We welcome you. Come on, you want him to move, bless him. You want him to move, somebody clap, somebody shout, somebody wave, somebody dance, somebody spin. You may be seated. You may be seated. So good to see all of you. Uh, the Holy Spirit has been dealing uh, with my heart for 40 years. For 40 years I have heard him. Hmm. For 40 years I've believed that the steps of a good man like you do at your local restaurant when you go through the drive-thru to get your heart attack in a paper sack. I, I have watched him order my steps. Two minutes seek a sign when no sign shall be given. But tonight we will discover that signs are following us. This is our finest hour. There has never been a greater church. There has never been a greater move. There has never been a greater baptism. There has never been a greater power loosed upon the earth. There has never been more glory. There have never been more anointings. I submit to you tonight by the scowl on your face you are looking at me the way Israel looked at Moses, as if I was speaking about some mocking dream. Too many have preached the funeral of that babe born on Pentecost. Too many have stood graveside 
and sang sad songs about the demise of that which he breathed his breath into. Tonight, we reject the naysayers. Tonight, Now don't get started on me yet. Be seated. Be seated. Don't get started on me yet. Don't get started on me yet. Now, say this with me again. We are revenant. Now I need to speak plainly. That's odd for me. But I'm going to do my best to talk straight. You love me, don't you? I know you do. I love you too. But I need to talk real straight. Because some of you are confused. You want me to preach, we are relevant. I didn't say relevant. We must be relevant. The issue is, too many folk got no idea what relevant is. They think relevant is whether you wear skinny jeans or zoot suit. They think relevant is whether you have purple dye in your hair or green. They think relevant is whether your hair stick up, whether you wear pointed-toed shoes with no socks or round-toed shoes with polka dot. And none of that has anything to do with relevant. I'll come to that in a minute. So let's start off with revenant. Say it again. Revenant. Now, some of you would be, of course, familiar with the 2016. Now, all you, all you saints going to look at me funny now because you want to come up in here and act like you had never been to a movie. I love movies. Look at you. Judging me already. Sitting there with your halo all crooked on your horns. I like movies. I like movies about real men. I'm talking about movies what they didn't go to get their pedicure. Woman asked me the other day, said, did you get the pedicure? So I pulled off my socks and shoes and showed her. She went, ah! I said, that's right then, but one woman loves my toes and she loves them too. I like movies about real men. Look at that. some folk getting, getting agitated and irritated at me already. I'll come pinch your cheek. We become so politically correct in the church that we've forgotten the inner essence of his power. Okay, that went over big. So, 
Revenant, Revenant. I like that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. When are you ever gonna learn that you're never gonna agree with everybody? When are you gonna learn that and relax? For too long, the church has gotten a little droplet of rain from over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate and they got a little group around it and started splashing in the puddle and built a fence around it and anybody that wasn't just like that couldn't get in. Oh, I'm gonna preach up in here. So I like, I like Leo, Leo, I don't like his politics, but I didn't elect him for anything. I, he won, he won, I ain't gonna say that. He won the Best Actor Academy Award last year for a movie called The Revenant. Now I'm gonna act to you like I'm all educated. I do have a doctorate, but I try to forget what they taught me. Listen, I didn't know what Revenant meant. I saw this movie with this cat and he was wearing a bear, man. As a man. Then they showed me he was fighting with the bear. My daddy used to say, I'll go bear hunting with a switch. He pulled his pocket knife out and said, that's a man's man. He grabbed the liver out that bear and went to eating it. So I studied it up and they said he really did that. I need somebody to know. I am full of devil liver. come up in here to play. I came out of here to drive every devil that even thinks about putting his hand on you. This is still a Holy Ghost church. This is still a Holy Ghost move. This is still a Holy Ghost camp meeting. You get set free up in here. All right, now I gotta hurt. So, Hallelujah. Revenant. So I, I'm not going to be at all educated for you. I had to get on, you know, I had to get on Google. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't find it, so I called his girlfriend, Siri. She said, Siri said, uh, she came back to me. She said, Revenant is one who was assumed dead. But then what showed back up? And I submit to you tonight that the people that have counted you out, the people that said you would never make it, the people that put one foot on religion 
and the other on academia and declared the demise of the church of Jesus Christ about to be proven liar. Show somebody and tell them we are revenant. We're not dead. We're about to show back up. And when we do, we're taking it all back. We're taking our town back and our city back. We're taking our churches back and our children back. We're taking our anointing back and our authority back. And we're coming to a city near you. Ain't that right, Brian? I said, ain't that right, Brian? I'll throw you this microphone, make you preach. We are teaming up. We are going to let America know that the church is not only dead, not dead. It has just reached adolescence on its way to adulthood. We're going to plant more churches than McDonald's. Sean, we are revenant. A person who was, you know, supposedly dead. There are Bible revenants. I'll go a little scriptural on you now. There are Bible revenants. Now, see, I can tell by looking at some of you. Some of you would do with a good dose of difficulty. I thought this sanctified bunch over here shouted at that. I, I, some of y'all could do with just a dose of tragedy. Yeah, you could. Some of you, I'm going to prophesy a bear is coming. Some of you about to lose something. Oh, I know what you want me to do. You ain't never going to lose nothing. You ain't never going to have no tragedy. You ain't never going to see a bear. If you're never going to see a bear, how know you? How you going to know you could eat its liver if you wanted to? There's some devils need killed. Now I need you to, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand. We are coming back. Let me let me break this down for you. I'll do it real quick. Does anybody remember a name, a man named Vince Lombardi? Wave, wave your hand around. Vince Lombardi, he was the uh, legacy, legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. And in, in 1960, before you were a gleam in your mom and daddy's eyes, in 1960, 
the Green Bay Packers found themselves in the National Football Championship. And they had led the entire game. When suddenly, with a substantial lead in the fourth quarter, the Philadelphia Eagles came back and won the National Football League Championship. It was before Super Bowl. So the next year, Coach Lombardi gathered together the 28-player squad of the Green Bay Packers. All men, all professionals had gone to the very last game of the season and came within a breath of winning. But that breath was too much for Lombardi. Lombardi called them together uh, and he said, gentlemen, let me find out where my staff has put this thing. What am I, like a bird dog up here? <laughs> Lombardi walked up to that 28 giant men, all professionals, and said, gentlemen, this right here, look at it. In a minute, I'll let you touch it. This gentleman is a football. And they looked at each other. Some scout, some giggled. They said, Coach, what do you mean that's a football? He said, I've decided to spend this entire year trying to teach you the fundamentals of football. Since obviously you think finesse wins over fundamentals. You think a light show and a preacher that's super powered will fill your building up. You think if you get some Nashville has-beens and some Motown wannabes, you could put some people in a building. You think if you could memorize somebody else's sermon and do their pattern, that there'd be a great growth to your church. Let me tell you what it takes to be mm, a, let's see, uh, how about a, uh, what it takes Pastor Rodriguez, what it takes to be a talker, a motivational speaker, is a sermon. What it takes to be a preacher is an altar and an anointing. What it takes to break the yoke, destroy the burden, loose the captive is beyond you. So here's where we're gonna start tonight. We're gonna start with this right here. Church, 
This is a Bible. Right here. Right up in here. If you got one, get on your feet and hold it up. I don't care if you got it on your cell phone. Get it up and wave it around and shout, we're going back to fundamentals, not finesse. Tired of the icing on the cake and nothing inside. Be seated, 1961. 1961, the very next year, Vince Lombardi led the Green Bay Packers after a year of saying, we are going to pay attention to what everybody else ignores. We're going to pay attention to fundamentals. At the end of that year, they lined up in the National Football Championship against the New York Giants and walked off the field 37 to nothing champions. I just think we need to get the church back to the fundamentals. Let's see, how about you must be born again. The problem with the modern church is we have decisions and not conversions. Listen to me. I'm talking about life change. I'm talking about new creature. I'm talking about something that has never existed before that this world nor the devil either one have ever had to deal with. We've been so busy gathering in the net, we forgot to sort the fish. Oh, I like the way you're shouting now. There were Bible revenants. Can you think of one? How about, how about uh, Joseph? Jacob thought he was dead. Just like they think we're dead. <laughs> well, you can't perspire anymore, Pastor Rod, and be a, and be a pastor. You can't, you can't gather a crowd if you raise your voice. If you have more than a 45-minute service, they won't come. Tonight on five different networks, 100 million people are watching me live right now. I had multiple services preachers in 1982. It's not new. Oh, look what we got, multiple services. I preached eight times a week in my church when I was 22 years old. In my 30s and 40s and well into my 50s, I preached five times a week here and 150 nights a year on the road somewhere preaching this gospel. I have been on television to 96% of the world six days a week, three times a day for 30 years. Let me help you this way. 
this ain't my first rodeo. I'm 60 and I can still kick and punk. Ask the devil. I don't care. I don't want to see no more. Hallelujah. If you get tired, God bless you. There's a hotel room somewhere. God didn't give me my voice back to entertain people. That's our problem. We got entertainment, no intercession. Yeah, he's back. Revenant. Show up somebody and tell them we're coming back. Now, 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 I'm not talking about relevant. Okay, now don't take exception with me till you know where I'm going. Because I believe in being relevant. We spend an average of $3 million a year in here just updating stuff. In here. Relevant, you got your notepad? Relevant, because I'm gonna take this out of the tape so you can't get it. Relevant is being in contact with the issue. Relevant, look, you can be relevant in a storefront. Do you know the fastest growing churches in America? Do you know what building they're held in? Not a church building. Not an old church building. Preachers all the time, well, I gotta build a new building. Well, I gotta build it. Their building's all over. The devil owns them, move in. Why are you looking at me funny? You don't even know how to shout. 30% of millennials believe that church is completely unnecessary. In my parents' generation, 74% of the people in this country held to Bible-based uh, values. 74%. In my generation, it was 35. In my daughter's generation, it's four. From 75 to four in two and a half generations. Why? Because everybody decided to become what they supposed was relevant. Which is Christian speak for, be as close to the world as you can get without going to hell. I'm gonna go over here and say it. Somebody shout up in here now. I was standing on the banks of the river, looking out over life's troubled sea. I saw an old ship, it was sailing. Is that the old ship of Zion I see? Its hull was bent and battered. By the storms of life I 
could see. But at the stern of that ship was a captain. Yes, sir. Yes, there was. He said, step on board. It's the old ship of Zion. Well, well, I like, I like things quiet. And I'm quiet. Worship lights, please. Worship lights. Worship lights. Come on. I'm losing them. Worship lights. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why the church is always looking for a darker place. I don't know why we call these sanctuaries. Sanctuaries where you hide out. I ain't hiding out for nothing. Do you know where the greatest churches of growth, of financial increase, and of winning souls is today? In high school theaters. Look at you. Well, I'd never go. Yet a lost world has a hard time coming in here. Because for so long, and I love you, but I got to tell the truth. For so long, the church has been dead without the good sense to just go somewhere and lay down. It stinks. The people are mean. Setting their ways. Well, I don't like, let me explain something to you. You can never have ink put on your body and still be relevant. You can be 16 and relevant or 60 and relevant because relevant is not about what you wear. Relevant is to be connected to the issue. Somebody please help this old struggling preacher. Help me understand what is the issue? What is the issue? If you sat 90% of pastors down and said, what is the issue? They'd say, uh, homosexuality, uh, abortion, uh, let me explain to you what the issue is. Give me a camera. I need to talk to 100 million people. The issue is twofold. Numero uno. Number one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And your neighbor, as yourself.
You want to be relevant? Be like God. God has an issue. I said that phrase one time, and boy, it blew up on Twitter. I can't believe a preacher would say God has an God has an issue. You sitting up in here acting like you don't have one. God, I talk to your wife. God has an issue. You want to tell you what it is? He is hopelessly, irreversibly, undeniably, completely in love with you. Now see, you think about all the stuff you did. God, God, God not thinking about what you did. He's thinking about who Jesus is. You're not listening to me. God, his issue is, he loves you in the morning, son. He loves you. I didn't say the person in front of you. I didn't say your pastor. I didn't say the deacon board. I didn't say the prophet. I said he loves you. He loves you in the morning sun. He loves you in the evening rain. He loves you when you get it right. And he loves you more when you mess it up. He, he cannot stop loving you. Now you take that to a hell-bound generation and we will be revenant. The apex of all Christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior. Do you know that over 80% of all the people born again in America this year will be born again in a church that is two years of age or less? Do you know that it takes 100 churches, one entire year, and $100,000 to see one person converted in 12 months? Let me talk to you about the Revenant Church. The Revenant Church will not be characterized by massive evangelism. People love to watch me give altar calls. And God told me two months ago, you be real careful with that. I said, speak on. He said, I'm not moving in just realms of massive evangelism. The new model, the new paradigm is back to the original. What is that? Personal relationship that leads to individual conversion. Stop depending on your pastor that's superpowered and your program that's always new to win somebody to Jesus.
And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints. That's a terrible translation. For the, you ever been to a chiropractor? The adjusting of the saints. What does that mean? Get you all put together bone to bone, flesh to flesh, sinew to sinew, perfect and entire, rising up in every community, in every hamlet, in every city, in every town, the full grown stature of the man of God. Okay. Am I going anywhere? Am I going to say revenant? Say revenant. It's a pivotal year. 2017. That, I don't want to go through all of it. 17. The number 7 and the number 10. 1 represents individual perfection or completion. The other represents corporate or ordinal perfection. That means two things. God is about to fix you and complete everything about you so that he can then help you find your purpose in his body so that then the body will be perfect complete and entire and we're about to take this nation by storm. Oh God. So I'm 60. What does that have to do with anything? When I was 27, 1984, I had one of only three open visions that I have had in 40 years. Your neighbor that has three a week <laughs> needs to stay away from the food trucks. <laughs> and all you folks going to heaven and coming back and telling your story, check with Paul. He said, when God took me up there, he told me, don't tell nothing about what you said. You listening to me? So, I'm standing there, and the back wall of that 1,200-seat tabernacle disappeared. A sword appeared. I saw twinkling lights, and as God made me look, I could tell that it was a city skyline. And the twinkling were lights coming out of the buildings. Suddenly a sword appeared, 
No one holding the sword. Three times it circled. The third time it struck the image of Satan behind his knees. He fell to one side wounded, not dead. And then just as quickly as it had come, it was gone. That's why this looks like this, you understand? To remind me, every time I walk here, that every one of those buildings is full of lost and dying, hurting and bleeding, wounded and frightened, weak and trembling, souls of God. Just as quickly as the vision came, it left and God spoke up in my belly. Who is there among you? Brave enough. Strong enough. I'm 27. To pick up that crown and place it on the head of the Savior. And I started screaming. I still have the video. I'm brave enough. I'm strong enough. I'm brave enough. I'm strong enough. I'm brave enough. I'm strong enough. I'm brave enough. I'm strong enough to pick up the crown of cities and place them on the head of our Savior. Since I'm 27 years of age, I beg God to tell me what those three swings of that sword were. I've begged him. I even had the Kuhnemans prophesy. Come, lay your hands on me and prophesy. Oral Roberts laid his hands on me. Brother Summerall laid his hands on me. Anybody you can think of. And I never was given the revelation of those three swings until I turned 60. And when I turned 60, God took me back in a whirlwind to sitting on his little airplane and Dr. Summerall putting his hand on my knee and saying, I have a word for you. I'll not tell you everything he said, but he did say this. Number one, he said, never be a gospel specialist. Preach all of it. Don't be the healing guy, the prophecy guy, the preach it all. He said, your life will be divided into three stages. Moses was 40 years in Pharaoh's court. Another 40 years on the backside of Midian, tending his father-in-law's sheep. Two swings of the sword. But on the third swing, 
on the last day of the second phase, God appeared to him in a burning bush that would not be consumed. At that moment, God anointed Moses to become a deliverer of a people born into bondage. And I'd like to break that down for you. Some folk still have an Egypt mentality. Don't shout me down now. On the third swing, God said to Moses, go down, go way down, uh, come off your high horse. Quit talking to everybody about your mailing list. And your own family not saved. It'll get better in a minute. Go way down into Egypt's land. Tell Pharaoh to let You better let them go. Lifespans are so much shorter now. And as I lay there on my back, after preaching around the world as many as eight times in one year, God said to me, I'm about to bring you into the third phase. Zero to 30, gathering. This is a pretty nice little church building. When I was 29 and built it, it was the largest facility of any church west of the Mississippi River and north of the Mason-Dixon line. It had never been done in the history of this nation. I said, I want to move in there before I'm 30. We started with 17 people. I was called when I was 17 years of age. So was Lester Sumrall, so was Oral Roberts, so was T.D. Jakes, and the list goes on. 
Well, 17. Ohio is the 17th state in the union. At our first church meeting, we had 17 people. It's going to be a year. And God saw that vision become a reality. Two and a half miles of pews. I'm 29. I'm about to enter the second phase. The second phase is usefulness. Where you take everything you've gathered and you begin to have God's plan and his purpose and his hand placed upon you for usefulness. In my 30s, we moved in here. In my 30s, I went from seven television stations once a week to 14,000 three times a day, six days a week. I built Harvest Preparatory School. God graced us to give birth to Valor Christian College. We birthed the Bridge of Hope Ministries. I could fall down and God would bless it. And I just hit 60. 60. Here's what it told me sitting on that plane. He said, 60, you'll hit your stride and enter the third and final stage of your life. Why do you think Satan put vocal cord cancer in the mouth and throat of a voice piece of the kingdom when I was 59. Stop it. I'm gonna stop Because he saw what was coming to us. When they counted me out, when he was clapping, his filthy fettered hands together and dancing on the grave he had already dug. And God said, if you thought you were a preacher before, something's about to happen. There's a change coming. I put you down so I could raise you up. I... Juanita Bynum, I'm getting real personal. I'm sorry. I had 18 pages of notes for tonight. I ain't hit one of them. People say, why do you do that? To prepare my spirit. I didn't come to give you three points. That's okay. But I'm on fire right now. I promise you, I put my hand on you right now 
everything you touch in the next three years will be blessed. My hand, come here, come here, my hand, my hand. Ah. Come here, Kevin Wallace. Come here, come here. Where are you? Everything they took, trip, trip. Yeah, we still lay hands on people around here. And I may lay, I may line you up around this building and lay hands on every sick. Come here, Ronnie. Climb over the pew. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here, Pastor Battle. I've got to give you a good dose lately. Both hands up. People been talking to you. Stop listening to them. They're drowning out him. Don't be acting like you didn't get nothing. The third phase of your life is giving. You can be seated. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Where have all the preachers gone? When did Pentecost become out of fashion? If he was a healer, he is a healer and he will forever be a healer. Your Bible says we know that he has delivered, he does deliver, and he shall yet deliver. Ah, oh God, I'm preaching. There's a new move. Shall Revenant, shall we're coming back? In that movie, he fights that bear because his son, y'all listening to me? His son had been killed. So he starts trekking through rivers, snow waist deep, eating leaves and anything he can get his hands on because he's gonna avenge his son. I want you boy preachers and girl preachers to know you call me your daddy, I will track down anything that attempts to put its hand on you. Whoa, somebody just get up and shout a minute, I feel it. Something's changing. Church as usual is dying. Shall we getting up with healing power in our hands? We're getting up to save a generation. We're getting up to be a remnant people. We will be relevant. 
and we are revenant. We have a problem understanding what a preacher is. Your Bible says that all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a prophet of God because God let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel's message was moral because he was what he said. His words were backed by his language. His message was accompanied with signs and wonders. This generation is about to see a move of God that will shake kingdoms. Every fresh new golden era of human history has always been preceded by the devotion and righteous passion. Oh, you want to be an apostle? I stand before you tonight. I need to make this announcement to the world. I stand before you tonight a changed man. I'm not looking to be changed. I don't even recognize me. A changed man. Set in this office. Approved of God. Standing right here. And I'm going to get a bunch of you up here tonight. Standing right here. A man that cast the devil out of one girl in Billy Bibb prison. And 150,000 people gave their lives to Christ. The second largest church in Asia still stands today. From casting the devil out of one girl. Smith Wigglesworth, that big two-fisted plumber, wrapped his arms around Lester Summerall and wept until Wigglesworth's tears. Well, who was Wigglesworth? That's a problem. It's difficult to understand where you're going when you don't know what you came from. Show your neighbor and say, neighbor, who's your daddy? I'm not talking about who's promoting you. I'm not talking about who's flashing you on their social media. I'm not talking about who's inviting you to their big meeting. I'm, I'm talking about who's your daddy, who's got your DNA. Wigglesworth grabbed a man out of a casket wouldn't go over big today in a 45 minute service. That's when you'd quit. God tell you to go cast the devil out of somebody in prison. You're like, we'll send the prison team. 
I got to get ready to preach. Bring me my Perrier. Grabbed a man out of a casket. Jerked him up by the lapels and stuck him on a wall. And told the family and friends to get out the funeral part. Sometimes, some of you cry when somebody leaves your church. Anything alive ought to be growing. Anything alive ought to have an appetite. Anything alive ought to be multiplying. But if you don't have a good healthy every now and then, you're going to get sick. You don't sit in the privy and cry over what left, do you? But I don't know. We've had a split. Well, why don't you go lay hands on them, bring them under your covering, love them, and pray that God will give them twice as many as you ever touch. <laughs> to hell with this divisiveness. To hell with these walls. To hell with, well, this one's not this way, and I'm a Paul, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of this one, and I'm of that one. Why don't you just be of Jesus? I'm preaching up in here. I know they want me to quit. He grabbed that cap, BC. He grabbed that man out of a casket, stuck him up against a wall, and said, I command you to live in his preacher voice. We love you, Word Network. Medine is coming to give you a few words. Don't go anywhere. Stay with me till she gets there. He fell over like a chunk of wood. That's when you'd quit. Because you don't know where you came from, so you don't know who you are. So he stuck him up against the wall a second time and said, I told you to live. Let go of him, he fell on the floor again. That's when your wife had quit. He grabbed him, stuck him up against the wall a third time and said, I told you once, I told you twice, I'm not telling you again. Live. The man coughed, opened his eyes, said, what am I doing here? Who's dead? He was revenant. Joseph was revenant. Jesus was the greatest revenant of all time when they sealed him in that borrowed tomb. But on the third day, your church is not dead, you're just revenant. Your family's not dead, you're just revenant. You're just molten like an eagle. Howard Carter, little bitty man. My pastor traveled with him for nearly 20 years. 
he single-handedly in a prison cell. Pentecost means power. And the church shouted. But it also meant prison. Well, I want to be an apostle. Really? Uh, I need you to understand that the church of Jesus Christ cannot die. Now, Brother Sumrall said, what time you're alive, don't ever let there be a move of God and you not be right in the middle of it. If a denomination tries to corner it, jump out. There, there's no corner. God's always moving. Wherever he moves, don't look for the crowd. Find a cloud and move with it. Don't ever allow God to do anything in the earth and not let you be right in the middle of it. The church of Jesus Christ is not going to cease to exist because of backslidden preachers. The church of Jesus Christ was born on the day of Pentecost. It is spirit. Spirit cannot die. The devil's not going to die. He's going to exist in hell forever. You're not going to die. You're going to spend eternity somewhere forever. Spirit does not die. This thing that we're a part of is bigger than any of us. It's bigger than some denomination. It's bigger than some group. It's bigger than this group and that group. It's bigger than some mega church. It's bigger than somebody in a field somewhere with 30 people. The average church in America has 75 people. If you have 300 people, you're in the top 10%. If you have 1,000 people on Sunday, you're in the top 1%. There are 4,000 churches started a year in this country. That's enough to keep up with 11% of the population growth. Within 12 miles of this church, there are 610,000 people. Do you know how many of them will ever go to a church in their life? 4%. That means there's 576,000 people within 12 miles of this church that nobody's reached. And I'm going to complain because somebody started a church two miles from here. I know I was sitting on a lot of drugs for a long time, but I'm off now. Right down here is a pastor. I love him so much, I don't know what to do. I mean, I love him. How far is your church from here, pastor? Stand up. How far from here? It's about probably about, uh, 15 miles. 15 miles. Just on the border of 576,000 people that if they die tonight, have no hope of heaven as their home. I have a question for preachers and church folk 
Because God didn't save you to go to church and be comfortable. Now that's not why he saved you. This pastor, we have a women's clinic across the street from Planned Parenthood. You get the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God on you, you can build a church next door to hell. In fact, that's a good place to build it. Well, I don't know, you know, we need to check the demographics. We need to see where the most influential people in the city live. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. If it didn't cost so much, I'd drop the mic right now. I'd just go. <laughs> we have a women's clinic. We've saved 4,000 babies from abortion. Isn't that great? We just expanded it. We just doubled its size. You know how? You know how? Because this pastor and his church went and did it. Now we're going to save 8,000. If you join me, we can save 12,000. Do you want me to quit? Well, that was weak. Have I preached long enough? I want to go, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to tell you one thing. Howard Carter brought the revelation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit single-handedly out of a prison cell as a conscientious objector, and he wrote them on scraps of paper and a pencil. All of the major Pentecostal denominations before Howard Carter, look it up historically, every one of them taught, Pentecostals, they taught that the gifts of healing were doctors. No, no supernatural. They taught that tongues was learning languages in universities. Until Howard Carter decided to get in the presence of God and God gave him the revelation of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discern, I'm quoting the Bible to you, discerning spirits, wonder-working faith, the working of miracles. I have a question for you. If they don't do all those things in the church where you go, why are you there? Well, we speak in tongues, but we've, we've relegated that to our home groups. Because the Holy Ghost is just too loud. Do you know what truth has become in most churches? Most churches have become a safe space from the truth. Tweet that. This is no safe place. This is no safe place for mundane dreams and tame visions and smooth knees and weak 
prayers. This is not the church of halfway and almost and wish we could and woe is me. This is the triumphant, victorious church of Jesus Christ against which the gates of hell shall not prevail. And we have not yet begun to fight. I'm closing now. Be seated. The food trucks are closed. Be seated. Robert Frost was arguably America's best-loved poet. A poet laureate. You know, he wrote that poem I... Robert Frost was arguably America's best-loved poet. A poet laureate. You know, he wrote that poem I... I was going... Let me get it now. And I, I chose the one less traveled by. Oh, two, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I chose the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Always remember that, always remember that popular opinion led to the crucifixion of your Savior. God may have called you to pastor a hundred people. Why do you consider that a small thing? You, you want to be, I'll come in. You want to be a, you want to be an apostle? You want to be an apostle? I'm an apostle. Of what? I'm bishop. Of what? Of what? I'm doctor. Lady told me one time, I am a PhD. I said, really? I said, what'd you do your thesis on? Right. I, it's honorary. There's no such thing as an honorary PhD. There are honorary doctorates. There are no honorary PhD. Sometimes we just make fools of ourselves. I'm going, to, I'm going to parenthetically insert this. Sometimes we just look like cartoon characters. If I see one more 300-pound preacher in a skinny suit, I like skinny suits, man. 
Furtick and Rodriguez and these guys, man, they as big as a peanut. They look great in a skinny suit. You look like a cartoon character. Trying to be relevant. Why don't you just get anointed? to be connected to the issue. The issue is twofold. Here's what God told us to do. Win souls and plant churches. And that's it. Oh, look how that goes over. God called us to all be rich and drive a Bentley. God called you to win the lost, hurting, hopeless, helpless hordes of humanity. God called you to speak in tongues and cast out devils and raise the dead. God called. always the problem with the church. We're always trying to be like somebody else. Trying to be like somebody else's adoption. Find your DNA. Find what you came from. We are unashamedly Pentecostal. We are unashamedly. That doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. But if you're black, be black. If you're white, be white. If you're Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican. And love everybody else. And bless everybody else. To hell with a damnable thing called racism. You in the media want to see racial reconciliation? Take a look. It's called the church. There's no black church and white church and Spanish church and wealthy church and... Ah. Here we go now, quick, quick, quick. Robert Frost. Two roads diverged and wouldn't I... I chose the one less traveled by. I love, I loved his writings. Amazing, ridiculous, and powerful. I ran across one called a West Running Brook. Let, let me tell you, in his words, and and maybe that'll explain to you. That'll explain it to you a little bit better. You want to be a... He talks about a stumbling across a, a country brook. It got his interest because the current of the brook flowed west 
instead of east toward the ocean like all the other brooks. It flowed, if you will, in a contrary direction to all the other country brooks which flowed east to reach the ocean. He, he said that the brook does this because, watch me, it can trust itself. I just wonder if you can trust yourself. I wonder if you can trust yourself to go to a church that's a little different. People say that, people say that, well, we don't speak in tongues in service uh, because, you know, we don't want to offend anyone. There's an issue. The reason he gave you that tongue was for a sign to unbelievers. So can you trust yourself, see? Can you trust yourself to be contrary, to be different, to be alternative? That's certainly an apt description of of my life and, and my ministry. Just, just a little bit eh, right or a little bit left contrary to the flow of the current model. He continues to illustrate that point by saying that the true reason for a life lived, and I believe the true reason for a ministry manifested in such distinction can only be found in a revelation of its, watch me, source. Say source. That means origin. He says, not only is this brook unusual because it flows in a contrary direction to all other brooks, but because at times, I'm going to bless you, it flows contrary to its own current. God may ask you to do something that you never dreamed he'd ask you to do there are at least 200 people right now listening to me that God's going to call to pastor and you think you could never give up your business. Paul was a tent maker. He'd have never made it in full-time ministry by our standards. Contrary. He said, see how the brook strikes a rock in a sunken place in the stream. Watch this. A hard place, a difficulty, that roadblock, that attack, that cancer in your vocal cords is used by the brook's own current to create a wave, throwing the brook up and backward against itself. If only for a moment, watch this, for the express purpose 
of giving a wink and a nod and acknowledgement to draw strength from the place of its birth. The brook seems to look back, back to its source, to salute its origins. As if somehow the brook instinctively knows that the strength to continue moving forward in a contrary direction to all other brooks is the fortitude and the faith to flow contrary to the status quo. And that, my friend, comes only from its heritage, which he appropriately calls the beginning of beginnings. It's only this backward motion toward the source against the natural flow that we realize who we are and what we are and by understanding and acknowledging who we are and what we are and where we have come from. So in other words, Frost is saying, as I say to you tonight by the grace of God, may the current pay tribute to the source as together we look back to the beginning of beginnings. And in so doing, flow in a revenant contrary to anything and everything ordinary. As I look back to the beginning of my beginnings, I'm reminded of a prophetic word to my pastor and mentor, Dr. Lester Summerall, that brought us together. It became the divine weld that fused his generation to mine. Psalm 71:18. Now, when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I have shown your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is to come. There's much to be gained by a return to the discarded values of the past. Tonight, my purpose, please get this out of my way. My purpose is to reach one hand back to the tried and tested principles that have dethroned principalities and powers in the past and the other hand forward, forward. Now I only preach in my church for 35 to 45 minutes on Sunday, but this is not Sunday. I didn't come in here to pastor tonight. I came in here under an apostolic and prophetic anointing to move all of us and the church to where he wants us to go. To release a generational anointing. In blessing, tonight I will bless you. What does that mean? It means it's not my blessing with which I bless you. I am in blessing. Oh, it's getting strong right now. Tonight, I don't care what you feel like. 
care what it looks like. Tonight is life-changing, destiny-altering, history-making. I need to respectfully take off my wedding ring, honey. I need to, I need to, I, I need to get free. Everybody pray in the Holy Spirit right now. Something very, 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 very strong is about to happen. I've waited 40 years to get right here. Tonight is history making. Because tonight I stand in blessing. A blessing incomprehensible to your natural mind. No anointing ever leaves the earth. It simply is transferred. And in blessing tonight, I'm going to bless you. In a blessing that cast the devil out of one girl and saw 150,000 people saved. In a blessing of such revelation that it was theological shift for the entire body of Christ. An anointing so mighty that the dead will be raised. Standing here, standing here, Dr. Lester Sumrall laid his hands on me and transferred to my wife and I an anointing that he was standing in from Wigglesworth, from Carter, from Amy Simple McPherson, from A.A. Allen, from Jack Coe, from all of the great denominational leaders like Levi Petrus from Sweden, those names none of you know. And he released that anointing into my life. And then he laid hands on me and re released me into the anointing of apostolic ministry. Days ago in this tabernacle, Kenneth Copeland came and laid his hands on me and said those same words. Mark Sharona many other prophetic voices declaring and decreeing. And when I moved into the third swing of that sword, God said, there's two things I want you to do. Win souls and plant churches. Uh, that was in January. Up until that time, I had planted four churches. Tonight, I'll lay hands 
on 10 in person who all will launch this September and on 17 more who are not here tonight that will launch in September. That's 27 in five months. I need a little bit of help to do it. Can you give me a little bit of help? I'm by no means finished tonight or at all. I'm going to go to laying hands on people here in a minute. But I've been waiting 40 years to release. I'm not talking about nice little places to hide out. I'm talking about Holy Ghost filled fire baptized. Power of God. You say, well, will they preach like you? No, no, see what you're talking about is style. You're still hung up. It's not about style. It's about substance. It's about what happens. It's about transformation. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.